Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Jingle Jared. In my former occupation, I was the biggest jingle writer of all time. Now, I'm looking for a new job, speaking to every entrepreneur that I can find so I can find out what it's like to transition from one career to another. All of this expert advice has become the bedrock for a podcast I'm calling Occupational Therapy. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Zach Selwyn. You may remember me as a host from ESPN, Attack of the Show, or even Immortalized, that competitive taxidermy show on AMC. We lasted one episode. Anyway, three times a week, I'm bringing you the realest fake news of the day. It's the Saturday Night Live News Desk, but in an audible format. Listen to the Audio Up News Network on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Lips LA. Hey guys, it's Scott Lips and welcome to another episode of Lip Service. On today's show, I'm bringing you an interview with the amazing Julia Fox, the star of Uncut Gems. This was her first movie. We have a great interview with her. She's a star on the rise for sure. We'll talk about her life, how she got the role post-quarantine and how she's dealing with everything and her plans for the future. How's everyone doing today in uncertain times? I'm definitely waking up every day not knowing what day it is, that's for sure. I hope that this show can bring you some laughter, some light, and a bit of a distraction for what's going on. So if you like the show, please tell a friend, tell a bunch of friends, make sure you review it on iTunes. It's very, very important to us. The show is free, so it's helpful for us to do that. How are you guys coping with everything? Are you uh, sort of dealing with everything like I am, working out and cooking and doing everything, missing your friends. That's everything. That, what is the new normal going to be? It's kind of hard to say if we're going to be living in some type of a dystopian society. Hopefully it's going to be okay. and We'll come out of this stronger. But I'm very excited to bring you Julia Fox. She was the breakout star of what I consider to be one of the best movies of the year, the Safdie Brothers Uncut Gems. Didn't get an award as many awards as it should have had. I feel like it definitely should have gotten a bunch of awards this season. Uh, she is a clothing designer, an artist, a photographer, and most recently has been writing and directing. So coming to you in just a moment, Julia Fox from Uncut Gems. This is Lips LA. Our show today is brought to you by the fine folks at Thursday's Boot Company. You guys have seen me rocking these boots in every other picture I have on Instagram. I'm always repping them. Thursday's Boots is a bootstrap startup that makes the best handcrafted boots and sells them direct to consumer at some of the lowest markups in the footwear industry. Thursday's Boots' tagline is highest quality, honest prices because they use some of the best materials like full grain leather, supple glove leather lining, and gold standard Goodyear welt construction. Thursday's Boot Company sells their boots at prices starting at just $149 with free shipping and returns. They've been featured in all the best fashion press, from Esquire to GQ to Cosmo and Vogue. And more, more importantly, they've gotten over 20,000 five-star reviews from real customers. Thursday's boots are perfect for people who understand quality and don't want to pay a high retail markup for a great-looking pair of boots 
that are built to last. So check them out at Thursday's Boots on Instagram. My favorite shoes, my favorite boots. You always see me repping them. You'll love it. Hey, how'd it do, y'all? I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and Western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We have the incredible Julia Fox with us. Hey, how's hey. it going? How are you? I'm good. I don't know why, but I slept like 13 hours again. Um, <laughs> happening. Maybe because you're jogging in the middle of the night or something, right? I know, right? I know, I know. It's so funny. Um, hey, it's, it's so good to see you, and uh, thank you for joining us. I gave you a great intro before you came on. But Julia, as you guys know, is the star of Uncut Gems and many, many other projects, which we'll get into your life in quarantine and your whole history, Julia, which is really exciting for me to discuss how you started in this business. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited, too. It's definitely been unconventional. And um, I think a lot of young actresses who really struggle and don't know how to break in have really found like my story inspirational because it's really like, if it's meant to be, it'll just happen, you know, and, and even if you try to fight it or run in another direction, it's like, if it's meant for you, it'll be yours. So because yeah, you really feel like your story is destiny in the way that it happened to you. But kind of take me back to the beginning. I, I guess we should talk about for one second how we actually met. Um, I will say that I saw the movie. I was blown yeah. away by you and your performance. Yeah. And Thank the truth you. is, as you know, I kind of tracked you down and I was like, I want to work with you because you're a star. And yeah. um, I had never been so inspired by someone that I had seen on screen for the first time ever. The fact that oh. I went out of my way to sort of find you because, as you know, that's how we met. I actually sent yeah. you a, a DM and I was like, are you represented in the fashion space? Because I think you're incredible. Yeah. And that's how we met. So. Yeah. And then I knew you already because um, we met on the street, but obviously you wouldn't remember me because I didn't like look, have that star. I didn't look like a star that day, but um, I remember. <laughs> you always you look like a star. My, thank you. Well, my best friend was like, oh my God, like that's got lips, blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, I, didn't, I was like, okay, I don't know what that means to me, but um, he was like totally starstruck. So um, awesome. first of all, how are you holding up in all this madness? Um. It depends. Like most of the time, good. Um, yeah, like a lot of the time I'm like, I really like this. Like I think that I'm going to really miss quarantine. And um, and then some days I'm just like, dude, I need to get the fuck out of here. And most of it has to do if um, Peter and I are in a fight or if we've spent too much time together. It's like you're with someone all the time, you know? Right. It's like you start to, to lose your mind a little bit. No so question. it really is conditioned on like what him and I are going through at the right, moment right. Right, but right, usually sure. I really I actually like it I feel like I've been getting a lot done and um I'm really loving all these like creative projects that are coming about that are all kind of done like at home or you know people really like coming together with whatever resources they have to kind of make these things come to life like I just did this little podcast short it was like maybe like 12 minutes long or something like that and and we got actors and, and I recorded my own audio on my phone and then I 
reached out to one, a friend that I knew that, that did audio mixing and then like, you know what I'm saying? Could do the score. And then it kind of came to life and it was really cool to see all these people that like are just so desperate for anything to do that they're like, sure, fuck it. I'll do it for free. Like, you know, it's, I feel like in real life, that's not the case, you know, like, so, um, in fact, I have to confess, I just listened to it. It was great. And it's about, it's the story of a couple that are quarantining because of what's going on. So it's very much, you know, life imitating art and whatnot, but kind of take me back to the beginning. Cause I want to talk about how you started in this whole business. You actually grew up, I think your dad's American and your mom's Italian and you actually grew up in Italy, right? Yeah. I, uh, my dad's from, yeah, from my dad's from New York. He's like a seventh or eighth generation New Yorker. I mean, like he's been here since like the Mayflower and my mom is just a really traditional Italian woman from really humble beginnings, like from a small town, like just totally different. Um, and I grew up with, with her and my grandpa until I was six. And then with my dad up until like now, pretty much, well, you know, until I was like 17. But you were, um, born, you were born in Italy and you moved to New York around six, right? To York, I believe. Yes. Yes. And then, and then all throughout high school, you lived in Yorkville. Uh, yeah. In high school, I actually went back to Italy because my, well, cause okay. Until I was six, I lived in Italy with my mom, but it was really my grandpa who raised me and him and I were like as thick as thieves. Like that was my guy. So when he got cancer, um, I decided I would move back to Italy for two years. And I made that decision as like a 14 year old, which is like, you know, usually 14 year old, they could want to stay with their friends and whatever. But I was like, no, like my grandpa's dying. Like I need to be there. Um, so then I went back there. Um, whatever. I ended up back in New York two years later. Um, and then have been in New York since then. So I've gone back to Italy quite a lot. You know, I do have like very strong roots there. It's definitely like a second home, but I definitely feel much more of like a New Yorker. Like when I go there, I stick out like a sore thumb. It's always like, Oh, the crazy American girl, you know, (laughs) I'm always like up to something. Did you have a lot of growing up? Were you a pretty regular kid? Did you have a lot of like regular jobs? I know you worked in like ice cream shops and pastry. Yeah, I worked, I worked, um, I always worked. I was always a hu- I was always a hustler. I don't know if I was always. a worker, but I was a hustler. Loved to scam. Oh my god! In middle school, me and my this is so bad. Me and my friend Alexis, she actually passed away. Um, I'm sorry. We were like 11 or 12 years old, and we would go and knock, go, go into these buildings like as little girls, and we would have these like forms that they would give us, these like fundraising forms that you would go and collect money, and then and then and then bring it back to the school and then they would go like go to charity and whatever and we would just get the money and like make them fill out all these forms but then keep the money and so we were like fully like like scamming scamming. (laughs) yeah like super young um then you know like obviously like odd jobs babysitting here there and that then yeah ice cream maggie moves actually and i quit the day they told me that i would have to wear the ice the there was like a cow suit Oh and you have to stand in front of the store in a cow suit. And I was just like, you lost me. It yeah, was like, that... it was like a hundred degrees. I was like, <laughs> sorry, no. That probably um, would have made anyone quit. Actually. It's amazing. Anyone took that job. Right. <laughs> Crazy. And, then, and, and at um, what point did you kind of get into the creative space? Cause obviously you had your own clothing line, you were painting, you were doing photography. Mm-hmm. You, 
At what age the was second, that around? I feel like I feel like those creative jobs come with a lot of privilege. Like I feel like if you're an artist, you're already coming from a place of privilege because most people, even if they're creative or not, that is just not an option. You know what I mean? You go work. You go work a regular nine to five. You you get that security. You get that those benefits. You you know what I mean? Like you don't. Your artistic abilities are considered hobbies. They're not considered like you know your main form of income so I think that I started to see myself as a creative when I came into having that that financial freedom to do so to be like you know I'm just gonna start a fashion line I have an investor now or you know oh I don't really want to do that anymore I have someone who will fund my art career now so you know I want to make movies great I have someone who will do that you know what I'm saying like that happened from having that type of like financial independence but before that it was very much like no I I needed to just hustle and if anything you wanted it I'll be it you know I would do it now were your parents very creative like were you growing up around a lot of movies and music and things like that definitely yeah definitely um my dad is a contractor so he's just a construction worker pretty much and um but he is super super smart and when I came to America, he put me on to like Diana Ross and the Supremes and like the Beatles and, and, and really like all this music that in Italy I was not listening to. Yeah. You know, in Italy, I just watched cartoons all day and ate candy and drank soda. And like, you know what I mean? I, like my dad was like, no candy, no TV, no soda, like books and music. And I fucking hated him oh my god I was like why did I end up with this man he's trying to ruin my life like this is horrible but he gave me a lot of freedom I could do whatever I wanted and he really put me onto a lot of cool shit and it was like his mom and his sister that always encouraged me to like draw and paint and build things and and they were very like you know like typical like white people like be creative like blah, blah, you know like right. I didn't I didn't have that before like it was like way like um so then yeah that kind of like started for me so I always knew oh and like if I ever wanted something like from my dad if I like wanted like a new toy or whatever it was he would be like okay well you know what you have to do and I'd be like what and he'd be like you have to write a hundred poems and and then I'll get you whatever it is. And they couldn't be like half-assed poems. They had to be like really good ones. And then he would send them to like poetry journals. Oh, um, yeah. And this is before like the internet was even like so big. So they would right. be like real like journals, like you, like, you know, physical, like a lot of them were like college journals or just like, you know, nerdy poetry things. And he would actually like get me published and then like give it to me and be like, you see, like you can do this. This is what your life can be. So in a way, um, he kind of inspired your writing career because now you're writing, you know, movies, totally. you're writing shorts. Yeah, and totally. And that's what I always wanted to do. Like, I always, I want to write. Like, that's really my main focus. Like, sure, I'll be like, I like to be behind the scenes. Like, I like to be like calling the shots. Like, I like to be like the puppet master, like create my own characters and make them do whatever the fuck I want. Like, build my little universe. Like, you know, where I'm a dictator and I, everyone does what I want and say, like, it's fun, you know, like for a writer, like that's it's amazing, so much yeah. fun. You can create your own worlds. Um, so you're like, 24, so you're, you're 25, you're 26, you start doing photography, you put out a couple books, 
you obviously yeah. you actually staged your own funeral, which is crazy at 27. I think yeah. our mutual friend Richie that we were just speaking about kind of helped you curate that and was called RIP Julia Fox. Like, what was the story behind that? Because it's such a crazy thing at 27 to almost stage this art show, like where you paint, yeah. you know, canvases. Well, I think blood. it's like there was that, that, you know, like the 27 Club and like right. how Kurt Cobain and I Hendrix. feel like that was like, it's like very pivotal. And I always thought like, damn, like what if I go, you know, like what if I go at 27? Um, and that was kind of like, it started from thinking about that and then thinking about like what my funeral would be like and like who would come and like what would, what would people say and like what would it be like and then I was like fuck it like I'm an artist so I have creative license to do whatever I want so I'm just gonna have my own funeral and it was amazing because people really got it like they really understood it without me having to like explain it to them and they brought flowers and trinkets and left letters and gifts and it was like wow like you guys really got it like that's so cool but it was also really like a turning point for me where it was like I it wasn't like a death it was more of like a rebirth like I was gonna like rebrand pretty much <laughs> like I was gonna just like go in a different direction and kind of leave the like art like photography stuff and I really wanted to make that transition and into movies into Hollywood I wanted to move to California at the time I didn't end up doing it for another two years but this was kind of like the start uh this is like the wheels turning of like okay I'm, I'm going in another direction now and by the um, way you using your own blood did you how did that come about did you stab your finger and paint like what, what was that all about no no I I used like what what doctors use like the little syringe and then it just comes out into like little tubes wow, and that's... um yeah, and then I was like dipping like the paintbrush in it, and, and, I and all the art was like, sort of based on your life. Kind of, it was more. It was more like definitely had like a more morbid like theme throughout, because um, I really was just trying to like bring on that feeling of like death. Like I had had like photos with like dead animals, and like I didn't kill them, but they were dead. Right. Like there was just like a lot. It was like very death centric. That was just like the mood and the theme of the thing of the the project um and at some point you're in a cafe and you meet the Safety brothers right yeah well that had happened way before that that okay. happened probably i must have been like 21 22 and josh for some reason always really liked me and not in like like a creepy like he was like into me way you know like i could just tell that he would like look at me with like googly eyes of like what are you like who are you like <laughs> um did you know their work had you followed any of their movies at that point no i didn't and i was with my friend walking and the same friend that was said about you oh my god Richie. Richie. same time he was like that guy's a really famous director like he did this movie daddy long legs it's really major like blah 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 so it's always richie like because i live my head is literally in the clouds like i don't know anything um richie for those so. of you who don't know is like this amazing club kid he's like very integral part of new york he's like a the part yeah. of the dna and culture of new york and we uh, call him the mayor of downtown richie's the mayor exactly so it seems fitting yeah. that he would know all these people and um uh -huh. you know, he was actually uh he's actually with the agency i started in new york one management too so that's how i know him and from knowing a lot of photographers on the scene and just being around him for years so yeah he's wonderful so he introduces um, you to those guys and you don't and you kind of hit it off with them or you just sort of uh yeah touch? so well actually i had met 
I had been friends with their producer, Sebastian um, Bear McClard. So I had been friends with him. I met him at a club. I don't know. We like had like a brief little tryst and then we stayed friends. And, um, and one day they want to meet up with me. So I go and they're like, want to make a movie. We want you to be in it. Um, read the script. Tell me what you think. We're doing it. And I'm like, great. Okay. But then like a year goes by to they make heaven knows what another amazing movie that they didn't. Then a few more years, they make, um, um, oh my God, Good Time. Sorry, they make Good Time. Robert Pattinson. And then all throughout, though, they're contacting me, sending me new scripts, asking my opinion, asking me what I would do in a situation, how would I handle this, like, blah, 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 blah. Um, But I'm like, okay, this movie's never going to come. But at the same time, I had all my other things going on. I never wanted to be an actress. Everyone always told me I should be an actress. But I didn't want to be an actor because I didn't think I could do it. Um, and the truth is, they've been trying to make this movie for like ten years. Exactly, right? and, and I, was I think just like the script on that ride with them. Yeah, and know, I think the like, script went through like 160 patients. I think Josh like 160. Yeah. and I saw a lot of those. Yeah. I'm sure it would be kind of funny to pull out the first one they ever sent me. Probably, I want to say 2014 or something. So when, he cool. fir- when they first approach you and it's whatever it is, five, six years and, and years go by, at that point, are you thinking, yeah, okay, this movie, if it ever gets made, sure. But like, yeah, yeah, totally. I was like, yeah, if it ever gets made, of course I'll be in it. But at the same time, I also didn't realize what a big deal it was. Right. Like I was like, sure. I remember even thinking my friend wanted to be an actress and I remember being like to her, oh my God, they're asking you to be in this movie. If you want, I can recommend you because you'd be perfect for it. <laughs> so I was like, trying to give it away like yeah. i didn't realize because um, initially jonah hill was attached to the film and uh-huh. adam sandler didn't actually become attached to the film until i believe like two or three years there, ago right? yeah it was it was jonah hill it was sasha baron cohen and then it was adam so they, they um, tell you they want you to be part of this film and they're like okay this is happening and then from what i understand it ends up the studio gets involved and then they're like hey we want you to be in it but there's like 300 actresses but you're not famous so <laughs> right, right. yeah and so at that point, yeah, did you that, think you were going to get it or? No, you know what? I was like, don't even worry about Because Josh felt so bad. You know, he's been stringing me along for years. But at the same time, I didn't realize what an opportunity it was. So I was just like, don't even worry about it. I just want your movie to be great. If you want, you can bring me on in like a smaller capacity. And I could like consult for the actress and like help her be the best Sadie she could be. Her name was yeah. Sadie. They couldn't go with Sadie because that's Adam's daughter's name. Ah, and then okay. they couldn't think of any other name besides Julia. And then it got tricky because I was like, well, if someone else gets this role, now it's like me. <laughs> and, and now I think I would feel some type of way. But I didn't realize how, what an amazing opportunity it would be. I knew it was amazing, but really how amazing it would be until I did the screen test with Adam. Um, and it was so much fun and it felt so natural. It felt like something clicked, like, oh my God, like, this is what I need to be doing. Like, I just came alive once when the cameras were rolling. Like, I was like, I need this part. So the few months after that were rough because it was just waiting, waiting to see if you get it or not. And I did a lot of prayer. I I literally pray. I was praying, please, I have to do this. Like, I need this part. Like, I was born for this. 
And then well, let's I talk own- about the process for a moment because, you know, in the movie you play Howard, Howard's mistress, and you also work for him. He's this erratic jeweler dealer with a gambling obsession. And it wasn't like people just cast for movies. They have to make sure there's chemistry, right? So I yeah. assume that you guys met first. I've heard some stories about what you guys had to do together. No. Talk a little bit about how you met first with Adam, though. And wasn't there like karaoke? No, we met, we met on, the, on the screen test. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, yeah. We met. That was the first time we met. We met on the set at, on the screen um, test. at Bergdorf's. Or was, I think it was Barney's. Book. Barney's I can't right. remember. Yeah. Um, we meet there for the first time. Immediately, we're just cracking jokes. He's fucking Adam Sandler. I'm like, can't believe that he's real and in front of me. Um, but Are I'm like, nervous? playing it cool. I was nervous, but I was playing it cool. And, you know, I had my New York, like, poker face. Like, nothing right. phases me. Um, yeah. And then, and then that was the first part of the, of the, um, screen test. And the second part was the next day. Um, and then we did like this whole karaoke thing. And, but that the next day I hadn't slept the whole night before. Cause I was so nervous that I like, wasn't that I, you know, so the karaoke thing was like, okay. Like I didn't bring like my biggest a game, but either way, like that was really more for fun anyway. Um, and you had never taken acting classes at this point. Obviously, you've, you've done some directing and writing and whatnot, but never actually acted yeah. in a film. So yeah. when you showed up the first day on set, were you like, hey, I mean, you probably down in your mind, were you downplaying it? Or did you think, hey, I'm really nervous. It's no, going to be 500 I, people I on set. I was going to mention, I didn't realize what an amazing opportunity it was until, or how, how the magnitude of the movie, sorry. Hmm. I didn't realize the magnitude until the first day I get to set where we're doing lighting tests. So we're not even shooting that day. I mean, we're not filming like recording, but they are filming just testing lights and clothing and makeup and just like, and I got there and there was like 200 people and machines and a crane and like a trolley that rides on the, I was just like, Oh my God. Like, (laughs) This is the real I deal. Like, no, I was like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> I need to go memorize that script. I need to go fucking like, I just had to get it together like overnight. Um, and then I was a little nervous at first throughout filming, but then toward the end, it felt like that was like my set, you know? And I remember Josh told me there was this moment where they were like calling me to set and I showed up and he was like, wow, like that, that's like a movie star now. Like she's, the way I came in and like owned it and was like telling people what to do. Like he was like, you became the movie star that, you know, that, you know what I'm saying? Like he saw it happen. Yeah. yeah. Knowing you somewhat, I feel like there's definitely some of you in the character of Julia. I mean, how do you feel oh, about for sure. a parallel there for you? Yeah, definitely. But people think it's like 100% me and it's, it's not, you know, right. like <laughs> it's not at all. But, um, but there, yeah, there are definitely some, some parts of it that that are very similar because I wanted her to be like me because I wanted her to be like this like misunderstood like hustler girl from New York who like comes off being a certain way but then you, you see that she's actually like very like heart of gold super loyal and and those are things that I think I am you know but I think I'm often always have been kind of misunderstood a little bit um, was there any of like in terms of when you guys were shooting or was everything sort of straight to the script? Oh, yeah, definitely. Josh is really cool in his style because he'll be like, okay, go by the script. We do that a few times. And then he's like, all right, freestyle. So then we would be able to say whatever we wanted, all of us. 
So some of it is scripted and then some of it is just stuff that would just pop in my head that I would like, oh, let me say this. And it's funny because those things are the lines that get quoted a lot more or like the ones that just came to me on the fly. Um, are the okay, ones like what part was improvised? Was like the tattoo parlor or any of that stuff? Um, no, the tattoo wasn't um, it, like the, the opening scene where I'm like, do you want to be stay mad or do you want to get in bed and cuddle? And then I'm like, or do, and then I'm like, oh, you're so extra. Like people always say that line. And that just came to me. And then the club scene, like, what the fuck are you looking at? Like, oh, that's why you're in line in the fucking cold. Like stuff like that. Like those are things that just came to me in the moment. And those are like fans will always like say those lines to me. And I'm like, oh, it's so awesome that they, that those are the ones that stuck because they were like the more genuine ones you know yeah and working on the set obviously there's a bunch of newer characters nightlife there's the fat jew there's obviously yeah there's iconic people like the weekend and yeah but did you know any of those people from being around new york nightlife because you were kind of like a staple in the night scene too nightlife i I knew jew i knew fat jew josh actually abel doesn't even know this because i didn't even want to tell him but and i haven't said it since but i'll say it now I actually been asked to be in one of his music videos ones. So me and my best friend, I'm like, well, I'll only do it if my best friend can do it. And they're like, okay, fine, bring your friend. So then we go and there's like, whatever, maybe like 10 other girls. And the hours were just so long. And, and the, it, it was, it was cool. The concept was really cool, but I was like, we gotta like get out of here. Like we gotta sneak out. <laughs> So we tried leaving the set and the producers chased us down and made us come back. You tried leaving like, the set in the yeah. middle of the shoot. Yes, because, <laughs> because we were like, this is horrible. We're just not cut out to be video hosts. Like we tried, <laughs> it didn't work, it was unsuccessful. Like we need to leave. And they would not let us leave. So then I went back and I was miserable. Like literally, like I was like the whole time, hours. just like stone cold, like icy, like so pissed to be there and then I, we, me and my friend go to the bathroom and we're like talking shit and Abel comes out from one of the stalls and so we like and we and we looked at each other and I don't know if he remembers that moment and I didn't want to bring it up because I was totally fucking up his movie set his uh, video shoot um but so I had met him there in that context and um who else did I know What's the guy's name that in, that takes you in in the end with the long hair and he's oh, Wayne. Wayne. So Wayne, Wayne is a character. I would see him around at like Butterfly New York and all these spots and he would try and talk to me. And I was like, who's this guy? And then Byron. I saw the movie and he's in the movie and I'm like, this guy's amazing. He's so fucking funny. He sent yeah. me the most hilarious. He sends me the funniest videos, he, like dancing with like a t- t- towel, just like he really is that character in the movie. Like he's he really actually he's even better in real life like he he actually when the cameras turned on he got a little shy which is so funny to see a man so confident and whatever and then the second you're like okay go he's like uh, uh, you know he freezes up he doesn't know what to do um, but well, it's I found funny. that it's, very interesting. It's uh, Jennifer Vendetti, who's this incredible casting director, who does a lot of fashion campaigns and street casting, cast the movie. And you didn't really know her before, right? This was really through your relationship with the Softy Brothers. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, no, I did. I did meet her through through the Softy Brothers. I did. Yeah. And, and yeah. so you finally finished the movie. How long did the movie take to film? 
it took about it took about like two to three months or something like that. It was a very, very quick movie and it was a very quick turnaround because exactly a year later it was already in theaters. So it had already done the festival runs and, and it was already out there. So it was super fast. Um, Scott Rudin wanted it that way. And thank God that we did it that way because with this Corona, it would have been over. It would have ruined everything. No question. But when you first finally saw the movie, when it was done, what did you think? Um, I thought, okay, the first thing I thought was, where are all my other scenes? Because there were more scenes that I had done that were so good, where I was really good. But unfortunately, the person that I was doing it with wasn't as good. Sorry. But they cut those scenes. Yeah, so they cut those scenes. And then there was this whole other storyline where I get this chain stolen, this Michael Jackson chain. And, but unfortunately, so there's a lot surrounding that and having to pay that back and then fighting about it. And, and that was a whole other huge issue in the movie. And then they kind of thought like the movie was a getting too long and be taking away from the importance of the opal. So a whole storyline got cut, which Mm -hmm. was, which was a lot of screen time for me. So at first I was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Um, but then, you know, when it like sunk in, I was just like, holy shit. Like I actually forgot that it was me acting and cause I was so involved in the movie. Like I was almost just like, whatever, like, you know what I mean? Like I got into the movie, which I thought was really cool. And it was something I was not expecting. I thought that I would be dissecting every single thing I did and judging myself and whatever. But I was like, you know, fuck it. It's out there. What am I going to do? You know, like I just surrender to it and went on the fucking roller coaster ride that is Uncut Gems. And, um, and then I had to see it again. And I've only seen it twice. So I only, I saw it one time at Telluride with my manager. And then I saw it the second time in Toronto with my husband because he wanted to see it. And, you know, I, I wasn't gonna, um, whatever, I wasn't gonna do it alone. I would let him do it alone, but he was just like, oh my God, that, that club scene, that fighting scene, dude in the club was like deja vu. He was like, <laughs> I've seen that before. Um, well, the, the movie comes out, it's, it's, you know, the critical praise is undeniable. For me, as I kind of mentioned to you, Julia, I think it's one of the best movies, if not the best movie I saw last year. And I, you got nominated for, for an award, but I feel like the movie should have gotten more nominations, Golden Globes, Academy it Awards. It really should have. It really, really should have. And I'm still trying to figure out, like, what went wrong because there's got to be, like, some sort of personal issues. Um, I mean, unless people consider Adam Sandler being such a comedic actor, and obviously a lot of his movies have been slapstick, you know, previously, in a dramatic role, maybe they would think, you know, this is not how they normally see him. I know, but But they should really go, yeah, they should really go based on, like, what is directly in front of them in that moment, not on someone's, like, legacy or whatever. I mean, if a performance is good, it's good, give it credit. If not, people think everything you do is bullshit. And it's, it's, obviously, we know that it's all bullshit political you know, yeah. i mean i really feel that i feel it should have won so many awards you did get nominated for breakthrough actor yeah. Award, the gotham awards which I is did. amazing i got i got yeah i got a gotham nomination and then i got like four or five more like smaller ones like one in chicago one in atlanta like a few smaller ones that i actually didn't even really know about 
until I checked out my Wikipedia page and I saw all these other nominations. And I was like, well, thank God someone is tracking because <laughs> I had no idea. So that's kind of cool, even though I didn't win any of them. Um, it's but so as your cool. first movie, it's pretty incredible to get even yeah. nominated for all these awards, right? Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm, I remember, like, people being like, oh, like, well, would you be happy if you, if you win? Like, would you? And I was like, look, I already won. Like, this was not something I expected. And, and I feel like I'm the belle of the ball, like, Cinderella style. Like, I'm just so happy to be here. To me, this is a win already. Like, you know what I mean? And I didn't. And I really genuinely meant that. Like people, like everyone says that. I'm like, no, 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 like I really mean that. Like I do not need to win to feel validated. Like I know that that um, I did a good job, and I know that everyone loved it. And as long as that, you know, you know, you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I mean, how did how has your life changed? Because I know you're back and forth in LA. You're, right now, you're currently in New York, right? But you do, yeah, fairly by coastal. And I know you want to kind of move out here at some point. Yeah, no, I actually did get an apartment there. Um, I came here only, I only, I was only supposed to be here for a few days just to ship my boxes over. And then it's like, you know, you kind of just get stuck. It's quarantine. You're like, what am I going to go back to LA for? It's not like there's work there for me right now. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of just like, we're going really wherever the wind blows and I'm comfortable here. Um, but pre-corona you you directed, uh, your fantasy girls, Obviously, this podcast just got released. I know, like, writing and directing, being behind the scenes is a really big deal for you, and it's a real big inspiration and really your passion. So, yeah. kind of talk about some of your other projects, too, because you've done so many things. It's kind of... Well, yeah, well, right now, I... Like, my goals are, like, I want to write books. I want to write a book, but then I want to write more. I want to write one book just um, about me, mostly, and then I want to write, like, fiction like books like real books um and then I want to write a tv show and potentially direct some of the episodes not all of them I would love to collaborate with other directors that I love and admire um I would like to eventually write and direct movies as well I have a production company which I made when I decided I was gonna do fantasy girls called extra virgin films and eventually I would really like to like build on that and, and, um, and get that going. So right now I'm kind of like, especially as a writer, like this time is perfect because I can just write all the time. And so I've, I'm really thinking like, wow, this is a fucking writer's like dream, yeah. like to stay home, not feeling like weird that you're like isolate. Cause writing is very like singular isolated. It can be if you don't have a team. Um, I was going to ask you if your writing was shaped by what was going on in culture. But when I listened to your podcast, the whole thing of the new show you just released yeah. was about being in quarantine. Yeah, yeah. that was kind ex, of right? what their whole their whole thing was. When they approached my manager, they said, we're, we're reaching out to a bunch of writers and we want to kind of um, write stories about um, people's experiences in quarantine or just whatever, like cute little quarantine stories. And the one they sent me was like so sad. And I was like, I want to do something funny. Like, I want to do, make this like a lighter mood. You know, I, I wanted it to be just like a funny, stupid story just to like make people laugh. Because I feel like this is so fucking serious. This Corona shit, it's not a joke. People are fucking having panic attacks and anxiety attacks every day. Like, it's hard, you know? Yeah. So I feel like, you know, why, why not make a cute little funny joke story? 
It was very um, entertaining. And make sure you guys go out and, and download the show. It just came out like two days ago, right? Yeah. And so in terms of like the people that you're inspired by in sort of your path and journey, Julia, obviously there's people like Charlize Theron and, you know, Debbie Mazur and people like that. I mean, who do you look up to that are, that are like inspirational figures that are doing what you want to do in entertainment that are writing and producing and directing? And who are some of those figures aside from like the ones I just mentioned? Um, well, I love what um, Sam Levinson did with you is doing with euphoria i would love to do my own version of euphoria like maybe a um a a new york version of that and i kind of already have started that process um what a great show a great casting too yeah amazing and i really want to do that by the Um, way another show that jennifer vendetti cast Euphoria. Yeah, she's amazing. I'm yeah. definitely one day gonna gonna work with her because she's just brilliant and such an interesting person. Like she's just so fucking cool and so smart and like just so fun and cool. I was gonna yeah. say the, the Love Sick podcast. It's it's called Love Sick. It's day to day podcast. It just came out. It's great and it is about. It's very timely. It's about what's going on now. So that's another thing that people should go check out for sure. And are there scripts that you're sort of piling up now and like your writing, is it really being affected by what's happening? Yeah, it is. I just finished my book proposal. That, that was pretty long. That took a while and then editing it a bunch of times. So now I'm going back and forth with my book agent and figuring out what direction we're going to take because my life really has been like, I want to say so many chapters, but it's been so many books. Like, it's like really like narrowing it down to like one cohesive storyline and focusing on that, um, opposed to like just giving it all the way at once. And, and, you know, there's just so much, so many directions it could go in. Um, so that'll be more autobiographical. Yeah, definitely. And what are you doing during this time just to stay busy? Are there TV shows you're watching? Are there movies? I know that you're running during the middle of the night from what I hear. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a lot of exercise. I'll, I probably leave the house maybe like once a day. It's usually at night and I'll go out for like an hour or two and just run or bike. And it's beautiful because the city, the usually so like bustling city it's dead yeah it's empty and it's a little scary like i've Mm. seen some things i haven't really seen before like a bunch of people breaking into an atm in the middle of the day wow um yeah like it's definitely like a it feels like a different time it feels like new york and maybe in the 80s or something yeah um but yeah it's it's really cool to experience new york in this way it's interesting and well, I don't do you, know when do you, it will happen again. So. Yeah, I mean, I've hopefully never. But what do you miss the most just about, like, life in general right now? I miss, like, seeing my friends, going to restaurants. Um, I miss, like, typical, like, self-care things, like going to get my nails done or, like, my mustache waxed or, like, <laughs> like I'm really, like, like, I used to always get, like, the false eyelashes like the extensions and now my own eyelashes are growing back and I'm like wow I haven't seen my face like this in like 10 years um but it's really I'll have nice. an afro in about a month don't worry so it's, yeah <laughs> it's all yeah, the same it's really very natural like I'm feeling very like back to the roots back yeah. to basics 
What do you think that the new sort of abnormal will look like, right? Obviously, restaurants are going to take a different shape. I mean, gatherings, I think the live I concert mean, industry. Yeah. Made what, what do you I think? Know. I'm thinking like that. That's what I'm concerned about. I'm like, how is this going to affect the long term? Like, what are going to be the long term effects of this? You know, like even movie sets. And- yeah, like we'll just have to wait and see but you know i'm I'm wondering if this is really gonna just like wipe out small businesses and eventually everything's just gonna be online or like you know is this a preview to i don't honestly i don't know um but you know my heart goes out to everyone with you know in the hospitality industry or you know just people who really have not had any support at all it's very very sad yeah, it's a tough time. I mean, we're all going to hopefully come out of this stronger, but it's a really, really trying time for everyone. I guess lastly, I just want to ask you kind of what are you watching? Because obviously as an actress and a star on the rise here, I'd love to know kind of what you're watching, TV shows, movies. I know you love uh, classics and I read a little yeah. bit about some of your favorite movies, but what, what are you watching currently? So I got into this show. It's on Hulu called Little Fires Everywhere with Reese Witherspoon. And it's so good. I highly recommend it. And it's not a show that I would usually go for, but it's like now I'm kind of really exploring, you know, things that I, like, I'm just a little more desperate now. And really like opening me up to watching movies that I thought I would never watch or like, you know what I'm saying? And I really love that show. That's one that I'm watching pretty consistently. Um, Any movies that you discovered? I watched last night the Stephen King, based on the Stephen King novel um, called Cell, with everyone like dying from their cell phones, which I would never have gone for, but I was like, wow, it's so good. Um, but yeah, I have a whole list on my Instagram too, so if people want to go look, there's a little bubble that says movies, and um, I got a lot of classics in there, like Natural Born Killers, um, Drop Dead Gorgeous. White Oleander, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, um, 13, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, like just really going back in time. and Adaptation, right? Yeah, Adaptation, my favorite. I love Charlie Kaufman. That movie's incredible. Amazing movie. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely check out Lovesick, follow Julia, check out Uncut Gems if you haven't, the greatest movie of last year. You're definitely a star. Um, I love working with you. And I know this fashion business will come back in a big way. So I'm excited yeah. for when it does. I know right now it's a bit of a trying time, but I think we will come out of this stronger. I'm so happy to get a chance to chat with you and for everyone to hear yeah, your, you. Thank your journey. Thank you so much. Of course. And, uh, and I guess we'll be chatting real soon, I'm sure. Yes, definitely. We'll be in touch. All right, Julia. Be well. I'll okay. speak to you soon. Bye, Judy. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey, Dennis Quaid here, and I want to tell you about the Orange Street. Now, I have recently started a podcast network called Audio Up, and much as I prepare for movie roles, I've been researching the podcast landscape and listening to hundreds of podcasts. One in particular stopped me in my tracks. The Orange Tree. It's a true crime podcast series told with such authenticity and care by Haley Butler and Tinu Thomas, two journalists who were University of Texas students when they started reporting on the story. It's about the 2005 murder of a young woman named Jennifer Cave 
near the University of Texas at Austin campus. What struck me most was the thorough examination of the case and the exclusive access granted to these two young reporters. What makes this true crime story so unique is their perspective. They're two young women who are the same age as Jennifer Cave and at very similar points in their lives. The Orange Tree is engaging, it's thoughtful, and really, really powerful. Take a listen to The Orange Tree on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts today. Well, hey there. Hey, Dennis Quaid is here. That's right. And guess what? I have a podcast. It's called The Denissance, and I think you should listen. I'm having some really cool conversations with some really interesting people like music legend Billy Ray Cyrus, housewife of Beverly Hills, Garcelle Bouvet, and many, many more. Listen to The Denissance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, how'd it do, y'all? I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.